Zibby Owens describes herself as a book messenger. I think authors might call her, though, a book angel. Do you remember years ago when Oprah's book club was just everywhere? Publishers called it the Oprah effect. I bought so many books that had that little seal on the front. Well, these days there's the Zibby effect, and it is equally as powerful because Zibby has figured out a way, a very charming way, to make authors leap from the pages, to make them people, and to explain the why behind the words. She decided that the literary industry needed a little sparkle, a lot of sparkle actually, so she set out to make it glamorous and to reward those who write and those who publish for giving our hearts and our minds the distraction. And who hasn't needed that this year? Libby started out as a writer herself, mainly parenting essays. And being the mother of four kids provided endless content. Zibby's husband one day said, you know, you should really put all those essays into a book. Her response, moms don't have time to write books. And that was the beginning of what is well on its way to becoming a moms don't have time to empire. And can I tell you something? It couldn't happen to a nicer person. And the incredible thing is, this whole thing has happened in three years. New York Magazine named Zibby Owens NYC's most powerful book fluencer. And she has a Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight community as well. She even hosts a podcast by that name. She hosts an online Zibby's book club on Instagram. I'm not done yet. She recently announced some plans to start branching out the Moms Don't Have Time to umbrella to traveling, to sex, to who knows what will come next. And she has a new book. It's called Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. It's in bookstores now. Moms don't have time to think about time. And there's a lot of life to be lived and to love. And Zibby Owens is going to fire you up. I'm this time to ask how Zibby Owens went from never having listened to a podcast to hosting one of the biggest podcasts out there. We'll unpack a day in the life of Zibby, what it takes to thoughtfully produce episodes with authors seven days a week. Does she actually read all those books? How many books show up at her house each week? And how do authors get on the show these days? The answer to one of the worst questions you can actually ask a mom, how do you do it? Uh, yeah, I went there, and you want me to, trust me. <laughs> and Zibby's time management hacks to constantly create and to follow your passions despite your job, your kids, your laundry, which is what I'm looking at right now as I'm recording this, your whatever. Need some motivation? Listen to her on my podcast right now because her joy is infectious. Infectious has been a really bad word this year. Today, not so much. Here is Zibby Owens, Undying to Ask. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I know two things. One, that phrase, I'll sleep when I'm dead, is starting to seem likely. And two, the best conversations take time. Dying Task is my chance to have longer, more meaningful conversations without a producer yelling rap in my ear. Personal change requires personal growth. And these days, Plan B is the new Plan A. Ready to do life bigger and better despite the Rona? This is Dying to Ask. Zibby Owens, welcome to the Dying Task Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be um, here. I am so happy to have you here. And as silly as this will probably sound, I f do feel, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, like I know you on some level because I listen to you so much on you your podcast. <laughs> I do. You're in my ear like 24-7 and have introduced me to so many wonderful books over the last year. I have absolutely loved the whole Moms Don't Have Time concept. Um, where did it come from? 
It started because I was writing all these parenting essays. And actually, the first essay I wrote was called A Mother's Right to Sanity, which kind of went viral on HuffPost. When I was I can talking, see why. <laughs> right? I mean, I was really just fed up. My kids' preschool had asked me to like donate toilet paper rolls. And I was just like, that's the last straw for me. I'm not doing that. Stop bothering me so much, everybody. Because I felt like, you know, I had a lot of kids because I love kids. And all of a sudden, I had no time to even spend with those kids because I was doing so much of the busy work that comes with each additional child. And yeah. I had enough. I was like, let me just hang out with my kids. I want to go on the floor and play with them before they grow up and leave, which – and this was three years ago. So now, of course, the floor has different uh, enticements like you know the iPad. Anyway, I wrote that essay. I started writing a lot of other essays. And my husband one night said, you should take all those parenting essays and make them into a book. And I said, ugh, mom's no time to read books. And then I thought, oh, that's so funny. I'll make that the title of my book. Well, it turned out publishers didn't think that was as funny, or at least <laughs> the advice I got was, I don't think that's going to fly. Um, and a girlfriend told me I should start a podcast, which I didn't even know what that was back then, but I went home. And, and this is only, podcast. what, two years ago? Three years ago. Three years ago. Yep. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then what happened? <laughs> so then um, my husband, Kyle, and I like sat on the couch and we were like, where's the podcast button? How do we even get podcasts? What, which ones do we listen to? Uh, and I tried to figure out what I would do a podcast on where I had to do a podcast. And I've always loved books and authors. And I'm always ripping out articles and sending them to friends and uh, forwarding things. And I thought, well, and reading. So I was like, well, I'll just read parts of books that I love, or I'll read these great articles. And um, let, that's that'll be an easier way for my busy mom friends to be able to hear them instead of my emailing them all the time. So I found out that was illegal. So I scrapped. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. And uh, I decided I would just try interviewing authors. But I only knew like two or three authors at the time. And I was like, well, I guess I could just start with them and I'll just see what happens. So that's what I did. I just decided to try it. And it ended up becoming this whole big podcast um, where I interview authors. I started once a week. And at first, like not that many people were listening, but I started off with some really great guests, thanks to friends of friends and everybody helping me out with it. Like Andre Agassi was one of my first guests and Danny Shapiro and all these amazing authors. So it grew and grew. Now I do it seven days a week, which is really insane. I still don't even know how I do that. Um, but along the way, I feel like I really tapped into this shared belief that yeah. we as moms are just so busy and there's so much on our plates that it's basically become impossible. And I wanted to tap into the fact that like, even though we're moms, we are still, you know, living, breathing, thinking people the way we were before we had kids. And what about our intellectual needs? People talk a lot about self-care in all sorts of ways, but that part of our brains is so important to keep on. And I had missed hearing and learning. And I honestly, I had missed myself like being stressed out. Like I was in college and graduate school. Like I like being stressed out and overworked. I don't know. I don't know what it is. So, um, so it, so it just kept growing and I've, I've expanded into so many areas because it just is like a ball rolling down the hill and I am like running by the side to keep up with it. And it's, it's so fun and it gives me so much energy. Oh, I can, I can absolutely, I can feel it. And even just talking to you, it's funny. I had your show on in my car after school pickup and my then 11 year old son said, he saw the title of moms don't have time to read books. He goes, that's not true, mom. You read books all the time. And so I was trying to explain to him, it was kind of a play on, 
you know, us finding what it is that we need to do. And it was interesting to then, as I talked to other friends who really love books and shared episodes, to talk to them, they all got hooked on it. And what I think we're all astounded by is the amount of content that you're pumping out. I mean, you said seven days a week. Do you have seven episodes coming out every single week? Yeah. Oh my gosh, Libby, that is insane. I mean, honestly, and I'm in broadcasting. I've been doing this for 25 years. I can't imagine cranking that much out. So not to freak out or anything, but I'm curious to know, like, what is your workflow like right now? And how are you doing this? Well, I'm trying new things, actually. Um, I'm trying to do, so the way I've been doing it is I'll, let me start over. When my kids were in school, I used to do all my podcasts while they were in school. This last year, obviously, they I remember those days. Call those the good old days. Yes. I've had literally four days this year where where at least three of my kids were in school until 2.30. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with myself? Of course, one of them was home. So, But it, anyway, um, in the olden days when school was in session, I used to do the podcast while they were in school. But because now time has sort of no boundaries, I started doing podcasts whenever. And I would schedule them whenever from 9 a.m. to really 8 p.m. Um, but that's gotten to be way too much. So I'm trying now to have blocks of time where I do the podcasts. But that also can feel overwhelming. So I'm experimenting. The way I do with sort yeah. of everything I do is I keep experimenting. Um, this week, for instance, I did three in a row Tuesday morning and three in a row Thursday morning. And now that's like most of next week. So I experiment. I try different things, but I also, as we were talking earlier, like it's the best part of my day. I love yes. doing the podcast. I love it. Um, and even if I don't have time to read the entire book, I always read enough where I know what I want to talk about. I have a passage or two that always stick with me. I spend a ton of time picking which books I even have on my show so that I'm ready and excited about the thing. So it's not like anyone has a gun to my head and is saying like, read these books and put on a show. Like I have such a hard time saying no, which I do a lot, but I end up ha having to do these like blasts of podcast episodes. Like, so I don't know. I just, um, I record and then, uh, I mean, do you really want the nuts and bolts? I can't do. Well, I, I like the nitty gritty. So yeah, no, I'm just, I am really curious because okay. I think what I think I find so fascinating about you is that you, you felt a need because it was something you wanted to consume. You created something and then figured out how to do it. And I think a lot of us, whether it's a book podcast or something else, we all have this need to want to make something that's all ours. And especially I think as a mom, you just want that thing that's really you that gets your juices going and like lights your heart on fire. And you've clearly found one, but you've also found something that so many of us are really enjoying right now. And you find the time to do it. Yeah. Well, this has become like my life's purpose, which is great. And I've, I always like put quotes when I call it work. I mean, now it's actually earning money and everything, but it doesn't feel like work. I mean, this is, there's no differentiation um, between my work life and my other life because it's all me. And this might sound a little depressing or whatever, but um, I lost my best friend on 9-11 forever ago. And she, I believed for the longest time until I talked to this medium. So <laughs> do without what you will. I believed that she had died at her desk, right? That the plane had hit her floor. And we were best friends and have been roommates for years and years. So I said to myself back then, like, if I'm going to die at my desk, whenever I work, I want to do something that brings my whole self to what I'm doing. Like, 
I don't want to keep marketing Pepperidge Farm cookies, which is what I had been doing for this advertising agency. Like I have to, I have to bring it all. I have to make it worth sort of dying for. So I finally feel like after all this time, I've figured out what that is. And now here I am. So I mean, oh, that's beautiful. I nothing to happen, but um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've been searching for this for a long time and trying lots of different things along the way, different combinations of things. Spent a lot of time at home with my kids, and um, this is this is sort of why life is work and work is life, and it's so exciting for me. My father used to say, um, he passed away a few years ago, but he used to say that when you look back at your journey, how you got from A to B makes sense later. It never makes sense at the time. But when you look back at it, you go, oh, that's why I was there marketing the Milanos. I was learning how to take a brand and something that people love and like really make it accessible. Um, and so it probably like, you probably do look back at like your marketing and your branding career and go, oh, okay. Cause, cause really the whole moms that don't have time concept is to me so, so brilliant, brilliantly marketed because it really is you. Yeah. It's really and what me. you're curious about. Um, yeah, that's why I'm like going into moms don't have time to travel. Moms don't have time to grieve. Like all these areas, moms don't have time to lose weight was my second one. Cause I couldn't stop thinking about it. I it's, there's like no limit on the things. <laughs> there's, yeah. so, there's so many topics that are really top of mind. And, um, I just feel really lucky that I was in a position to be able to start this and like, see where it went without needing, you know, payment day one, essentially. Like it, everyone told me it would take time. It would take time to monetize. It would take time to grow it. And I'm impatient. I like to do everything right away. But um, <laughs> Oh, I can't tell that at all. I know. I know. It's so <laughs> um, Yeah. But it's it's been so fun. It's just fun. What um, has it been like to see the rapid success of this, um, especially in the last year, because churning out as much content as you are and, and the way people have reacted to the show, it's not just the fans who like to listen, it's the publishers and the authors themselves. So how has that changed from you, you know, calling in a favor from Andre Agassi to be on one of the first episodes to now I would imagine you must be approached by so many authors and publishers hoping to get on the show because I have read that an appearance on your show really helps push books. And I can tell you there are many times on my runs when I'm listening, I stop to order that book. Yeah, that makes me feel so good. <laughs> no, an editor I talked to recently about something else mentioned that this one book of her author that she thinks I was directly responsible for half the overall sales of that book. And I was like, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't view this as a rapid success. I have been living and breathing this for three years, every single minute. So it, it might feel like an overnight success, but to me, Three years is a long time. I mean, I started with a three-year-old boy. Now he's six. I mean, that's a very different day, you know? And I have four kids. So um, my life has changed so much. My kids have changed so much. So I am very aware of where that time has gone. Um, things definitely have ramped up in, since the pandemic hit um, in all sorts of different ways and ways I could never have expected including the anthology that I ended up producing, which also has led to lots of new opportunities. So yeah, I mean, I say to my husband all the time, I'm like, this is crazy. Like I'm going on TV twice today. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> see you later. And all these people who pitch me, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's so 
I, I, I literally like I'm like pinching myself some days. I'm like, can you believe this? Can you believe it? And we both just shake our heads and uh, it's amazing. Yes, what a, what a wonderful thing too, to also be in, in, the, in the moment enough to appreciate the opportunity and where it, where it is. Because a lot of times we look back at something, we go, that was a good time. But to be in the moment when it's still growing and hot and to say, wow, this is amazing, must be a really good feeling. It's a great feeling. And I had been I had been like really frustrated for a long time because I knew I was doing something that other moms needed, and not just moms, but like even the articles I used to write. I was like, I know there are other moms crying on their bathroom floors today, like I did, who would need this article I just wrote. Like I wrote this article maybe three years ago called Too Lucky to Cry on Easter. And I don't even celebrate Easter, but I was like <laughs> I was like crying because of, I don't even know what, just everyday life stress and overwhelmed feelings. And, you know, just the way, I don't know, some kid had tantrum. I don't even remember what the details were, but I remember sitting there and thinking like, but how can I cry? Like, I'm so blessed in so many ways. I have these great kids. I have a new husband because I'm remarried and I've gotten this new chance at love and life and everything. And like, woe is me, right? In my beautiful apartment, like I have anything to cry about. People would just like, you know, like throw me out the window. This is ridiculous. And yet, like you only have the life that you have. And like issues with kids and the overwhelmed feeling and the different needs and issues I was facing myself and being divorced and everything else that is on my plate, that is my only plate. Like I can see out from there and know yeah. that obviously I'm lucky and I feel lucky and I appreciate it every day for everything in my life. But I also know that like I'm not the only one feeling these things. And I've always been able to write about it and communicate it. Writing better than talking is probably evidenced by this conversation. But <laughs> not at I, all. <laughs> I can really, I've always been able just to write and, and talk about it. And I used to sit there at my desk and I would publish a piece on Medium or something and think like, oh, like 31 views. Like, where are these people? Like, this would help someone. And I can't figure out how to get it to this person. So the fact that it's finally happening is just so rewarding because I wasn't sure it would ever happen. And it has. And I'm like, oh, finally. <laughs> Love it. Well, the anthology, it's called uh, Moms Don't Have Time to a Quarantine Anthology. And this, this is something you started uh, during quarantine with writers from all walks of life, big, small, some you've heard of, some you haven't. Um, and they wrote these essays about different types of experiences. And you broke the book into different sections, everything from exercise to sex to you name it. I mean, it was covered in here. And it's really wonderful. Where did the idea for that come from? So it wasn't supposed to be an anthology. I wanted to start a website for moms, like a very splashy site, which by the way, I've basically finally done now. <laughs> this weekend I was, and I know how to like deal with my own website. So I was like, I'm just going to rearrange this whole thing and make it just what I wanted like a year ago. But um, I started working on it and I worked with another author named Claire Gibson and the two of us went to this book of the month party or something and then she stayed over at my house because she was in town and um because this is what happens after I do one podcast I'm like good friends with someone which is great I love it so um we were talking and I had mentioned this idea that I had had that I wanted a site where there would be all these different things moms didn't have time to and there would be essays about everything because I love reading essays and writing essays and um and she said something like oh it would be so cool if or did I say? I don't know. Anyway, we were brainstorming. One of us was like, we should only have it written by authors who have been on the podcast. That's what will make it unique. And I was like, I love that. So we were going to launch it. And I hired her and I hired this other author, Alyssa Altman. We were going to make it into this 
splashy website. I was interviewing web design firms to make it something big and beautiful. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, I was like, well, I'm not doing that anymore. But I do, I had contracts with a lot of the authors already. And I had assigned a lot of topics based on things that I had been interested in. So I begged this old friend of mine for my first job after college at this tiny brand development and design firm, literally like in Studio City in this like abandoned like former motel in the back. Anyway, <laughs> I love uh, it. <laughs> Begged my friends. I'm sorry. You go through the back door, you knock three times. I mean, basically, it was like, yeah. um, you know, my old office was like an old room in a motel. Um, but it was so cool. I had an office right after college. I like, can't stand it. So she helped me just design my own random Squarespace website enough that I could put these essays up. And then I like tweeted about them and posted about them. And I would do a couple a week throughout the pandemic. And I thought maybe people would like this. But I didn't really have the manpower or strategy or resources allocated to making it enough that people would find it on my site. So after a couple months, um, I stopped doing it as a magazine, although I loved the essays. They were so good. Um, and in my original contracts with the authors, I had put that it would that I had the right to put it in an anthology because I thought at the beginning, you never know. Like, who knows? Know. Because so many people had told me anthologies are too hard. You should never do them. They don't sell, blah, blah, blah. Like one of the many things people have told me not to do that I basically ignored. So I uh, I stopped the magazine in July. And then in September, I was like, wow, I wonder how many of those essays I ended up releasing at the big, at, you know, during the pandemic. And I realized there were so many. So I started like copying and pasting them and putting them in one file. And then I did the word count. And I was like, oh, it's a book. <laughs> it's, it's long enough to be a book. Um, and I was like, I have contracts with every author. I have all the content. This is like the easiest sell ever. But I need to get it out right away. Um, back to my impatience. So yeah. um, I talked you to You and one I, by the way, would get along really well. In I have like I off have a podcast. Yes. We do just fine together. <laughs> in fact, we'd be, we'd be trouble. We would be trouble. <laughs> Deirdre, like, this is so one-sided. I really want to hear about you. This is like, I know finding out about the other person. Like, uh, you know. I know. Well, let me write a book and get on your show. And then okay. you can ask me whatever you want. I am <laughs> loving that. Trust me. This is like going to be the best part of my week. Continue. Okay. So you're, you realize you've got enough to do the book. And then yeah. you also, what I love that you also did was you guys sadly lost your mother-in-law to COVID, which you shared on the show. And it was, um, it, incredibly generous of you to share that experience I felt with your listeners because I felt I learned so much listening to it during a really uncertain time. And that clearly has been so important to you to be able to share resources with people. So in addition to the information, this became a fundraiser for COVID. Yes, it did. And we did. Um, Kyle lost his grandmother who got COVID in the hospital for something else that she had to go in for and they wouldn't test her. It was back in the early days when they were sort of yeah. reserving tests and she was 90 years old. And I think they were like, we're not wasting a test on you. So they sent her home and my, she wasn't better. She had caught COVID in the hospital. My mother-in-law took care of her. And when she went back into the hospital now with COVID, my mother-in-law, Susan, um, had a fever, got worse and worse. Long story short, her, her mother, Kyle's grandmother, passed away. And then the day after she passed away, Kyle's mom had to go into the hospital where she spent six weeks of like hell, which we heard all day and night on text and FaceTime. And, you know, we were in it because she was alone there. And we also 
along with his sister, started managing all of her care from afar, especially when it got to the point three weeks later where she was on a ventilator. And then after that, when she was on an ECMO machine, and it was just like, I, it was awful. Um, and I shared it, you know, back to what I was saying about, I've always been able to sort of share what I'm thinking and feeling. It's, it's very helpful to me to do that. So it's yeah, like, yeah therapeutic for me as well. Um, and again, I was like, I'm not the only one with somebody I love having COVID. Like someone's going to benefit. Maybe there's somebody out there who if I talk about this or write about it will feel a little bit less alone in their own struggles. So yeah, I started writing about it on Instagram and I made sure it was okay with Kyle and Stephanie. And um, it also ended up being a help for them because so many loved ones needed updates and they were always texting them. And I was like, just tell them to follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Not that, that sounds like so calculating. <laughs> let me grow no. my followers. No, but I mean like- It was efficient. It was yeah. an efficient way to share really valuable information. And take some of the pressure off of them. So yeah. I would do updates all the time. And uh, I, I did talk about it on the podcast and I just sort of had to, I had to share it. And I'm so glad I did because so many people got to know Susan who didn't know her. And she was even aware. I mean, she wasn't unconscious until the very end. So she knew. She Like I would be like, Susan, go on Instagram today. Look at all the people praying for you. Look at all the people. And she would love it. Like she got so much out of that herself. And that made me feel good. Um, so she knew. We knew. She knew. It was, it was just I don't know. And so many people really know her. Like got to the point where I would get like a DM from someone who said, I got in my car today and there was a Bruce Springsteen song playing and I burst into tears. This is like, in, like in, it, you know, I start, I sat there and I cried. She's like, and I've never met your mother-in-law. I've never met you. Like, but your story, and I had referenced Bruce Springsteen music often on Instagram because that was Susan's favorite. And just the point that I could make this stranger who didn't know her, she didn't know us, literally sit there and weep listening to the song. I was like, well, that's all I can do. I mean, I can't. Yeah, and that's the, that really speaks to, I think the community and the sisterhood that you have created through the podcast and through um, the anthology and through all the other 17 million moms don't have time to offshoots that you're working on, including uh, now a medium uh, column for aspiring writers to be able to share their words so that maybe someday they'll write one of the books that's on the shelves behind you and appear on the show. I mean, that also is this beautiful offshoot of moving it forward. Yes, I'm really, I really get um, excited about having other people write what's in their souls that maybe they haven't done before. And Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium is now a website um, where different authors, including authors who have been on the podcast, but also mm -hmm. new authors can try their hand at writing. And a woman, actually, I, I also host Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which I do every other Tuesday. And there's a woman who's been showing up there who I don't know, but now I know her, her well because of book club named Daphne. And in one book club, she talked about, um, you know, something she'd gone through with cancer. And I said, you know, you should write about that, Daphne, like write about it and send it to mom's time time to write and I'll run it. And she did on Friday last week. And then she wrote me this morning and said, I have been, I've never written about this before. I've never really seen myself as this type of writer. And because of you and your encouragement, I wrote it and it did so much for me. And I can't believe it. And just thank you for getting me to do it. And I was like, Daphne, that's everything. Like, Aww. I just feel so good about that. And now maybe someone will get something out of her. So I can only do so much myself. But if I can get other people to do, similar things, like the magnifying effects, the ripple effects of that are just so huge. So that's what I'm after. That's why I started this fellowship for 
women authors, which I'm really excited about, debut memoirists. So I'm sponsoring two to four a year uh, to develop narratives that I think would be really interesting. Basically, women I know, I'm like, you should write a memoir, which I say to people all the time. <laughs> uh, but now I'm really helping them, you know, by providing them with editors and introducing them to people, hopefully in the industry and whatever, even though I'm fairly in the industry myself. But um, yes, there's something just so powerful about getting people to write their stories and share their stories with other people. Um, and yes, as I feel like, I feel like you're changing the industry and I'm not the only one who thinks that. Do you feel that? Or are you too modest to say it? <laughs> I don't know that I am, but I'm certainly trying in some way. Maybe you're speeding it along. I think I'm trying to, I think I'm, I think because I wasn't really in the industry myself, like I just came at this sideways. I didn't even mean to do this. I mean, (laughs) remember- It was an accident. I was trying to write a book. If you'll remember from the beginning of my story, that's all I was trying to do was like sell a book of essays. Um, And I've ended up like, you know, but- to your point about every experience being relevant, I mean, I do have an MBA for what it's worth. And I have like spent a lot of time thinking about different businesses and branding and like all these things kind of came together um, so that I could turn my eye on an industry I was getting to know intimately every day, but from people in it. So when I keep, you know, if you were to talk to, you know, everyone who flew on a certain airline every day, after a while, you'd be like, all right, I think it's time for me to take some of these complaints up to management, Right. You'd yeah, be like, that's a great point. You'd be like, skip the peanuts, like, you know, add a few inches of legroom because like I've been doing like customer surveys effectively every single day. So that's kind of how I view what's happened here. It's that I've heard so much feedback that how could I not, how could I not just like see what, and also I think the big publishing houses are so big, right? Like they're just these giant colossal companies and it's often very difficult for big companies to move quickly and shift, right? It's like, you know, I'm I'm viewing like these big buildings, like in a kid's book with like this tiny little (laughs) brick at the bottom, right? Like the tiny little stone or something can like navigate really quickly with the big, you know, it takes a while to turn the direction of a bigger ship. Anyway, I'm rambling. All to say, like I could come at it sideways and and see some things that maybe if you're in it, you couldn't see as clearly. So I don't know where to lead, um, but uh, at least I feel like at the least, I've tried to make it so that authors feel more important and that nobody takes them for granted. And I don't know. I'm just, just doing I what think, I I think you're nailing it on all of those goals. Um, we only have a couple of minutes left. And I want to be really respectful of your time because of, of how much you are doing. But I had just a couple of quick questions. I know anybody who's listening to this right now is thinking, how on earth does she have this kind of energy and how is she doing so many things? So I'm curious to know, mom to mom, your hacks. What do you, what's a, what's a yes and what's a no to you? How do you do this? Um, I probably let my kids spend too much time on their iPads. <laughs> I love, I love you more. I love you more. Go on. I'm I'm like, you know, I need uh, to hear that right now. So thank I you. I have uh, funded the fact that Roblox just went public. I think that's oh, my kids. Okay. So, I'm with yeah. you on that one too. <laughs> um, so I definitely do that. You know, I will say I'm divorced and remarried. So every other long weekend, I get time without them so I can really catch up. So, you know, I, it's not like I have them seven days a week. And honestly, that break is what allows me to sleep <laughs> first of all because I do not sleep when they're here um but like just a couple nights of sleep every other week that's enough for me okay. to um but it's something that um because during the pandemic I haven't always gotten that break and 
I see how worn down I get and I'm like, oh my gosh, this used to be me all the time with no breaks and I couldn't have done this before and I didn't. So I, I don't want to minimize how important that is for me and my sanity and, and my productivity. Um, you strike me as very intentional with your time too. When you are in something, are you all in? Yes. Um, I do one thing and I try to do it really well. So if I'm sitting down and emailing, I'm going to try and sit down and email for like half an hour and then I'm going to get up from my computer. I mean, often, sometimes I will be like on my phone doing it, but it's so inefficient because I'm really fast when I sit down and do it. Um, if I'm doing a podcast, this is all I'm doing. This is great. I love it. If I'm sitting at lunch with my kids, I'm going to sit at lunch with my kids. If I am jumping on the trampoline or I'm, um, you know, doing one of my mom things, that's what I'm doing. So I, and not perfectly. I mean, a lot of times I am on the phone and sure. I'm stop doing that. But in general, I try to figure out when I'm doing what, and then just do it. And I don't often procrastinate. I just like, if an email comes in, I feel like I'm, you know, at the tennis net, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm always at the net with my racket up. That's like how I feel like I have to be every day, like on the, <laughs> at the ready. Um, in terms of hacks, I mean, I just try to get things in when I can. I always read while I'm putting my kids to bed, which by the way, adds a lot of time because that can take forever. And I, um, you know, I get a lot done between six and seven. Um, mm -hmm. like that's one of my most productive times of the day is because I let the kids do the iPads in the morning and, you know, I get a lot of stuff done and they enjoy themselves and I don't know, I probably shouldn't, but it helps. And, um, you know, I don't do it myself. I have a babysitter and I have my husband who does all the cooking cause he loves to cook. Thank God. And, um, you know, it was obviously much harder during the pandemic when it was just us here all day, every day. But um, I'm lucky enough that if I need to duck into my room for an hour or two, like I know they're well cared for. And um, I just happen to do everything really quickly. I, I yeah. am just really quick. I don't have the time. It's like give a busy mom something to do. She'll get it done, right? You like Get it just, done. You just get it done. You put it on the list and like, boom, it's done. Like I can't say, oh, I'll do that in like a week. Otherwise, 57 other things are on top of that week's to-do list. Right. How many books arrive at your house each week? Um, I probably get, you know, somewhere between five and 10 a day. Um, a day? Yeah. I mean, I've been out of town and I, <laughs> I've been like doing <laughs> updates. I've had someone go to my house and like open up my mail every day. And every day I get a picture of like, these six books, these eight books. And I'm like, okay, I'll get to those. So some weeks are lighter, but at least 20 books a week. And by the way, those are the ones usually where I've already told the publicist, like, this looks amazing. Please send it to me. So um, <laughs> it used to be worse. They used to be, I, I don't like unsolicited, you know, book mailings because then it's like impossible and overwhelming. But yeah. And then, I mean, I have at least a hundred pitches over email every week. Um, that I try Incredible. to go. I try to do that Incredible. on Saturday morning. So, <laughs> well, clearly, clearly, Zibi, you were having fun, and it's bringing you joy, and it definitely comes through. And as somebody who listens to you virtually, I mean, almost every day, but at least, I mean, I think I listen to every single show, even if it's not a book that I think I'll be interested in. I still love hearing about the process. So, thanks to everything that you're putting out there, I think you have filled a need that so many of us didn't even know we had. And that is just a great thing, mom to mom. So how do people find you? What are the best ways to keep up with the many, many things you're doing? Um, on Instagram, I'm at Zibby Owens. And I also have lots of other Instagram accounts, but start there and you'll find all the others. <laughs> um, and on my website, zibbyowens.com, I just like redid the whole thing. And now you can sort it like by read, 
travel, grieve, lose weight, everything that moms don't have time to do. We'll have its own things in the podcast and everything will be underneath there. Podcast, magazines, and everything. So ZibbyOwens.com and at ZibbyOwens on Instagram are the best ways to find out about everything. And for people who are inspired now to write after listening to it, that's also a place that they can go to submit something. Yes. Go to the write tab on, on ZibbyOwens.com for Moms Don't Have Time To, and you'll find all about how to submit on Medium to our great website headed by Jordan Blumetti. And uh, please write. Thank you, Zibby. Thank you. Quick backstory on how Zibby ended up on the podcast today. And this is, this will make you feel good and it will make you want to pay something forward. Every time I interview authors, I always ask, have you been on Zibby's podcast? And so it's always either, yes, I was, and it was amazing, or no, we're so trying to get onto it. So I asked the authors of The Parent Compass, our last episode about that, and they said that one of them had an upcoming episode for a second book that she had written, and she was hoping to get back on with The Parent Compass. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm just dying to have her on my podcast. I find her endlessly fascinating. And they said, well, let us make an introduction because that's what smart women do. We, we try to move each other forward. And I said, okay, sure, that would be great. I just hadn't pursued it yet. And so they sent an email and connected us on email with an introduction. And it was really nice. I saw it on like a Tuesday night and I didn't think much about it. By the time I got up the next morning, I had the warmest response from Zibby Owens saying, of course, I will be on your podcast. And I have to tell you, it set the tone for my whole day. So pay it forward, friends. Make those introductions. And maybe we can't do it over lunch or coffee right now, but we can do it on email. And when you give someone an endorsement of this is a person you need to meet, it's powerful. And I so appreciated it because just a few days later, Zibby Owens was on my show. And that was an hour of her time um, spent with me that I, I so enjoyed. It was just one of those lights on fire, set the day and the intention going in a direction you never even saw it going. And she got me fired up about writing, which was really great. So go check out the book, The Quarantine Anthology by Zibby Owens, and listen to her show. You will find so many interesting books. And there are a lot of books that I have bought after, or taken from the library, after listening to the authors on her show, because I just kind of fell in love with the author and I wanted to support them. And I think that's kind of cool. Thanks for listening today. I would love it if you would share this episode, especially with your book loving friends, take a screen grab of it and share it on your social media platform. And if you have a minute and you can go into the podcast app where you're listening to this right now and leave us a rating or review, that would be amazing because that is how a podcast grows. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week on Dying to Ask.